From the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina, this is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delp and Brian Gracely, presented by a Cloud Guru, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome back to the Cloudcast, coming to you live from the massive studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. You know, we are very lucky to get a chance to talk about a lot of different technologies, a lot of new technologies, and, um, you know, bring on a lot of people that, you know, are, are building some of these things. Um, but today, we're going to look at it from a little bit different perspective. So we're definitely going to keep digging into new technologies, but we're going to talk to somebody who has really been following this, uh, tracking it, uh, analyzing it kind of since the beginning or, or the beginning of what's this new new stack of technologies. And so very excited today to have uh, our old friend, good friend, Alex Williams from the new stack on the show. Alex, welcome. Hey, thanks, Brian. Glad to be here. You know, you and I have had a million conversations. I don't know that we've ever done it on, on this podcast. You've had me on your podcast. So it's great to have you on the, on the Cloudcast finally. Oh, so honored to be invited. Thank you for uh, having me on the show. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I assume, uh, you know, and I make assumptions sometimes, but I assume our listeners know the new stack. They know you. But for anybody who maybe have been living under a rock for the last three or four years, mm. tell us what you've been doing with the new stack and, and kind of how it's evolved over the last, you know, three, three and a half years. Oh, thank you. Well, the new stack started in April of 2014. And it started really after I had spent uh, years reporting for places like ReadWriteWeb and SiliconANGLE and TechCrunch. And at those different places, I wrote about enterprise. And a lot of it was based upon breaking news. At ReadWriteWeb, it was a little bit more, it was a little bit more in depth and you could explore issues and try to figure them, you know, figure them out for readers and helping them understand what it was that we were, what was going on. And it really struck me after being at TechCrunch, really, that there was really this need for not just covering the breaking news, but actually helping people understand what these technologies are all about. And that was right about the time where we were starting to see this real scale start to materialize, not just for companies like Airbnb and Twitter, but for the enterprise companies out there. And there were lots of new companies that were taking a lot very different approaches to building out technology stacks. And one of them in particular was Docker. And Docker uh, really captivated my interest because of what they were doing with container technologies. And so it really became part of our mission at that time to focus on at scale application development, deployment, and management with a focus on explanation and analysis. And that really just opened up so much for us. It has really given us an opportunity over these past three years to look at these technologies, look at open source projects, look at the companies that are adopting these technologies, and you know, trying to help understand what these new technologies are, what these new developments are. And it really has been kind of a never-ending process of just learning and, and, and helping you know, people better understand these things. And really, that's what we continue to do. Our, our goal really is, is still that. It's a um, uh, focus on that scale development, deployment, and management. Yeah. And, you know, I, I've been – sometimes you'll be 
like reading your Twitter feed and, and you know, day to day, it is what it is. But, but over a few weeks or months or something, you kind of go, you know, I, I get the sense of something. And one of the things that I've been sensing a lot lately is, you know, people with, with all the new projects that have been coming out, especially around the open source space. So right. you know, things around containers, things around schedulers, application frameworks, big, you know, all these tons of stuff going on. It feels like there's something new every couple of weeks. And I get the sense that people are kind of overwhelmed um, in, in figuring out like what's up, what's down, what's successful, what's not and all that stuff. And so I was like, okay, this, this is a perfect opportunity to get Alex on because you guys focus on trying to make sense of this every day, let alone, and, and you do it in a way that's like you said, um, you're trying to be more thoughtful about it. You're trying to not just crank out headlines. It's, you know, let's understand the people behind it. Let's try and connect the dots for people because things are moving fast. Um, how do you guys, th- how do you go about doing that? Cause at the end of the day, you guys are, uh, I don't know, you're sort of a new type of media organization, but, but there's a certain amount of immediacy people want, but at the same time, you don't want to be super fast. So, I mean, how do you, like, you guys have to keep up with it to begin with. You have to make sense of it. And then, and then you're going to write about it and talk to people about it to make podcasts and videos. Like, how do you balance those two things? Or how are you guys even keeping up with it if, if the market's struggling with it? Well, we, we really have a good editorial team and it's, really led by Joe Jackson, our managing editor. And Joe is a longtime journalist, and he's immensely helpful in this. We also have people on our team who I think are, you know, born in data research, for example. We have uh, Lawrence Hecht has been helping us. Uh, we have we have a lot of people writing for us who are um, – come from more of an independent analyst background, uh, John Akiram, MSV, and uh, Christian Subramanian has been uh, a technical editor on our Kubernetes state of, uh, state of the Ecosystem book. So I, I have to give credit to those people uh, who are really, you know, top notch. And I really think it does go back to our mission again. And we're looking for those stories that focus on at-scale application development, deployment, and management. When we first started, though, we had a hard time really focusing because, you know, you could you could really become very thin with that kind of a with that kind of a focus because you know there's front-end developers and there's back-end developers, right? And so when we're looking for uh, stories. We're mostly focusing on uh, the infrastructure itself, right? And the infrastructure uh, technologies that are that are just booming right now, and that's been helped. That's helped us, I think, define ourselves to some extent, and helped us focus on these people and these companies that are essentially building the platforms for developers in many respects and that to us is a very interesting story and it really then gives the you know that capability for those front-end developers to build those apps in more effective manner i also think that we just look for those really you know we we have to use our news judgment to look for stories that we think are interesting and so you know you look at for stories over the past week on the news stack, 
um, or the past month, we um, we uh, we had a story on. Um, let me look. I'm looking just here. Like there's a GitHub Adam text editor story that did very well. We have stories that just do very well on on open source data mining tools. Uh, we have stories that are uh, take a more cultural look on the weekends where we look at you know issues like the dark. We have one on the dark side of of a, of Silicon Valley hacker houses. So you know where we're trying to focus on. You know, I think just in summary before I babble too much um you know we've tried to focus on that infrastructure that infrastructure story yeah um we see then also really the need to tell stories across different mediums and i think that's part of that's something very very important to us so we have the stories that you read on the news tech every day but we also put a big emphasis on 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 podcasting and ebooks and we're starting now to do uh, more live streaming, and we really believe that that's um, that's key to uh, providing people with different kinds of experiences that help them get a fuller perspective on what's actually happening out there in the world. Yeah, no, I, I think you know two of the things that I've always really appreciated what you guys do. One is one is like you said the storytelling aspect. Um, you know, I. I I had a chance to do a roadshow with Gene Kim over the last couple of months, and we were we were talking about DevOps and culture and, and a lot of things. And and you realize that you know there's a reason why the Phoenix Project was so successful is that you know at the end mm-hmm. of the day it was a it was sort of a novel about IT, uh, but it allowed people to say, oh okay, I can relate to that person, I can relate to that problem they had, and and yeah, I might not remember all the technical details, but but I can pass that story along to somebody else. I can give them right. his advice. Right. So, so that I think is really important when we have a big time of change, which we have in our industry right now. Right. The, the other thing I think you guys do really well, and I commend you on, is you're not afraid to go outside of your core team, right? You've, you know, you've you've had people who co-host your podcast, like Donnie Burkholz, who you know was a mm-hmm. was an analyst somewhere else at the time, but was you know willing to jump in. You've had you know guest authors that write pieces that are you know really in depth. They just happen to be the people right. that are also building it. So, and I think. I think you hit on this idea that there isn't one way that people consume information anymore. It, it may right. be maybe audio, maybe video, it may be short form, maybe long form. And so figuring out how to do that for, for lots of people is important. You know, you talked about you, you were in the enterprise space for a while. And I think everybody who's been in it has, has been in that space. You know, we're now in a time where it feels like the rules are all kind of being rewritten. Um, you know, What's a vendor? What's a community? What's a foundation? What's the cloud? You know what? Like, who do I get technology from? Who do I partner with? Do, do you guys? Do you find you have to kind of unwind, un, unwire your brain for kind of the old rules to to what the new rules are evolving to? Or you know, how are you adapting to these sort of different changing times? It's a good question. Uh, yeah, I think one of the things that you know that we weigh a lot is, um, uh, you know, who are we writing for? Right. Um, and, and increasingly those people, I mean, increasingly those people are, uh, software engineers and developers, and that's really our core, the, that core community out there. They're very young. Uh, the people who it's actually quite interesting. I was looking at our, our demographics and, and, um, the uh, actual the number of people who are our readers are 
you know, 18 to 24 and 25 to 39 are almost as equal to the, the group of people from 25 to 39 to, what is it, 40 and 54, whatever it is. So we're see a, we see a very strong young community there. Um, but there's also people who have a, le- you know, a level of maturity uh, about the market and, the, you know, and the ecosystem. And, you know, and I find that, you know, th- these are the people who you really have to, you know, you have to really talk to. Right. Yeah. And 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 that's, uh, I think, one thing that we're finding is that. We need to be out on the ground more. Um, so I think that's going to be something that we're going to be looking at, because what is happening in this in, in, in the world right now, as you well know, is more and more people have access to these sophisticated technologies than ever before. And they've been abstracted to a degree where they're actually they're much easier to use. And people may just be starting with a REST API at this point. They may never have, have had the chance to, you know, um, use REST-based APIs. And that may seem old-fashioned to some who are uh, more, uh, you know, who are on the cutting edge and thinking of, you know, thinking of, you know, the modern replacements of the REST-based APIs, such as, um, you know, um, gRPC or something like that. And but they're still out there, and they're reading this stuff. And when they start picking it up, their their uh, adoption rate is is actually very fast. Then they start, you know, I mean, I have an I have a a family, uh, an in law who. Uh, is in IT and and he's working for a transportation company and he's kind of fits this mold, but he's now you know now they're like you know deep into you know, using the Elk stack right, and that to me so that to me says is like when people catch on to these new technologies they catch on to them very quickly, and then they're and then they're they they accelerate rapidly into actually understanding it very very quick very quickly. It's not like it takes them another five years to really start becoming accustomed to this. It'll take them five years to really start to understand the overall implications of these technologies. I think that's a different kind of a thing. To me, it's a lot like um, you know playing a sport, right? You uh, if you learn to play a sport when you're young, um, it you know you you can hit the ball in the first six months or so and play play the game. But you don't learn the. But it takes you a few years to actually learn what the game's all about. Right. right. Um, and uh, I think that's true here. But I think mm-hmm. what we're seeing is that um, we're increasingly looking for the people who are new, who are using these technologies, who are starting to adopt them, and and I just think that's going to be that. This, I think there's just this. Uh, you know, wonderful greenfield of of stories out there that can be told about all these companies who are buying vendor technologies or using open source projects, and it's those people who uh, I think really, you know, will make the difference um, in how this all whole market really evolves. Yeah. So we're really trying to reach them and hear what they're doing, so we can help. We really, I think, one of the things is like we really feel like we're. We, we we consider ourselves a kind of a, a, a split between a news organization and an analyst group. We're not quite either in many ways. Um, but also in many respects, we feel like we're part of this community. Yep. And um, 
you know, we're not out to like, we're not out to, we're not out there to like necessarily break news, but you know, we might have stories that actually are new and have kind of a different angle on them that is breaking in its own way. Right. But it's much more based upon the people and the technology itself. Yeah. No, and I think that's important in a couple of ways. Uh, you know, you talk about sort of knowing your audience. I think we're we're going through an interesting time where, you know, if you use this analogy, if you a few years ago you would see a certain crowd of people at say a VMware event, and you go, okay, that's that's kind of mm-hmm. the infrastructure of the day. And then, you know, you would go to say like an OpenStack event, and you would see a lot of the same people, and you'd go, okay, are they, you know, are they sort of transitioning from from one domain to another? And then, you know, we're seeing some of those people in places like DockerCon or at KubeCon or something. And and I think we forget sometimes that the people that are creating information, whether it's news or podcast or whatever, um, are going to kind of, they're either going to do one of two things. They're going to either present to a certain audience or they're going to come from a certain point of view. And I think sometimes people all think everything's made for them, whether they're 25 or 45 or, or something like that. And so, you know, sometimes you got to kind of go, okay, who are they, who are they targeting? Yeah. Towards? Um, you made an interesting statement. You said, you know, we're, we're kind of, we're kind of news and we're kind of an analyst organization, but maybe we're not either one of them. Um, the other thing that is interesting to me these days is we, we have an overwhelming amount of data. Uh, we all talk about that, but to a certain extent in some of these new technology areas, we don't have the same kind of data that we used to have. So, for example, people will like it's it's hard to, you know, we have a lot of companies that are non-public companies. So, how many customers they have, how much revenue they have, you know, the sort of the metrics we used to use to to determine winners and losers or who is in mm-hmm. what place isn't as readily mm-hmm. available, and we kind of make guesses. People want to use kind of ancillary data like a you know GitHub stars or number of contributions mm-hmm. or. Like, how do you guys sort of make sense of kind of the weirdness of data we have right now? And, uh, you know, we see things in surveys, but, you know, how, mm-hmm. many people, how do you guys think about the the rightness of data or the usefulness of data? Mm-hmm. It's a good question. And one thing we, we actually work on quite a bit is doing data research of open source communities. And, uh, you know, and we've done our own surveys and we're and you know, and we're on the ground a lot talking to people all the time. Um, one of the things that we, one of, it's a really interesting time, Brian. I mean, one of the really fascinating things that we've been seeing and kind of in the, in the data that we're collecting is this, is this real dynamic between the business and the open source community, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, and it's really, it's really quite, insightful to look at it from a perspective from a business perspective but an open source perspective and it almost becomes like a story about labor and 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 where the labor is and how the labor is treated and one of those one of the insights we've learned is you know China looking at it from like a price performance perspective hmm. and being able to look at how are businesses um how are businesses using open source technologies and how are they contributing to those open source technologies? Are they doing it to enhance their own company's technology? Are they using it to help a customer's open source technology? 
or are they just doing it for the love of the open source technology itself? And then how do they manage their engineering groups and their developer groups internally to participate in those open source communities? And you start to see some patterns. And one of the patterns you see is that there is this real contrast between the business objective and the people who are involved in the open source communities from the business itself. So what you have is this company that might be thinking about the bottom line and, you know, and the margins they're getting on, 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 you know, on things. But really the, the, the people who are working in those companies who are involved in open source projects may not really care about the bottom line terribly much as, as someone as one of their counterparts in finance does. What they're doing, what these the people in the open source communities, they become part of communities. And they really start to see their own uh, they really start to see their own identities emerge in these communities. And it becomes quite tribal in a way, right? We've seen this. Right. You know, I think we could I think you could look at, for example, the CNCF and you could and you could start mapping out the different tribes of the different uh, you know of the CNCF, right? How did how did you know, you know, how did uh you know, how the Linker D group get together, right? Fluent D, right? You know, what are, you know, who, who are the people behind the Kubernetes group, right? I, when you start looking at it from that perspective, you start to see some really interesting patterns and you start to see some of the real, you know, who the, you know, who you can say may be the winners are or who may be the losers, right? Um, or the ones who may just have to pivot entirely because they're, because their, you know, their technology that they've been really focusing on may not have the community strength of another project, right? Right. right. And so that's one way we're we're trying to look at it. And I think it's just as much as any everyone else, we're looking for. I mean, I think you we look for the ones who are really helping others better understand the market, because no one knows everything, right? Right. right. And so when I see companies out there really telling their story effectively, that tells me that they're, they're thinking about their, they're thinking about their business. They're thinking about the community and they're putting an effort into that because they know it's going to be a way for them to gain some introspection themselves about who they are and what role they play in the, in, in, you know, in the community itself. And so then it becomes just a matter of like, well, what recipes do you use to try to figure all that stuff out? And for us, it's been focusing, I think, more so on the people um, than than anything else. Uh, we want to see where, you know, what the people, who, you know, who the people are in these different communities, who they represent. And that then helps tell us tell, tell, helps us tell a story about the market and what's happening. Yeah, no, I think I think that's good insight. I. I I think people I still find a lot of people that that have some misperceptions about let's just say open source and, and so forth there there's this there's this belief that that businesses you know kind of consumers of the software if you will you know are, are making a decision of well if we go open source that means we're going to contribute lots and lots of code and if we if we're not going to contribute lots and lots of code then then open source isn't interesting and 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 that maybe was a, a way of thinking about things five years ago, 10 years ago, I, I, I see the dynamics is, I mean, I'm seeing more and more directors and VPs who realize mm -hmm. that, I mean, they, they essentially have to be, 
you know, the marketing arm for their engineering team, right? They have to be out speaking at events mm-hmm. and, and trying to recruit and find the best talent. Yeah. Um, you know, we're finding people who, you know, realize that innovation's happening in these communities and it's just a faster pace. And so it's a different, even if they're working with a vendor that is involved with open source, like, okay, I've got to learn how to work with you on a quarterly basis now, as opposed to every year. And so you're right. It's, the dynamics of it are very, very different. And, um, you know, there's definitely opportunity for people to, to kind of learn it for people to, to help explain it and so forth. Um, let me, let me ask you one sort of last question and then sure. I, I want to hit on a couple of the, the projects you guys have been cranking out lately. Um, do you guys feel like, um, any of the, so, you know, started in 2014, things were crazy, you know, the containers are blowing up and, we're now into 2017. We've been through a DevOps phase and agile and containers and, and foundations. And do you feel like any of that is what, what you would call mature today? Or do you feel like, well, maybe if I'm dealing with stuff mature, it's, it's outside the realm of what the new stack should be focused on. Do you guys kind of gauge hmm. yourself by how mature something is, or, or do you go after just kind of what's really interesting to you in the marketplace? Well, our focus is on scale, right? Okay. And the deployment, development, and management of at-scale technologies. And so we're still very, very interested in the container technology landscape, um, especially as more companies are using container technologies in production. And when companies are using these technologies in production, then they have to think about networking, they have to think about storage. And I think that that mirrors what we are seeing as more relevant conversations than the people you know in the people who we're talking to. Yeah. So for example, you know, uh, there's a lot of interest in like how how do you treat storage? You know, how do you treat state? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these are big, these are big topics of interest to people right now and people are trying lots of different things. And so when you look at it from that perspective, right, you know, you start talking to people and they'll say, oh, I've looked at all the overlay network technologies and, you know, and there's some really good ones out there, but we're still trying to figure that out. Right. Yeah. Um, that's, you know, so that I think is like the sign of, of a maturing ecosystem, uh, when you start seeing actually, the hard questions being answered about how actually do you use this in production itself. Right. Right. Um, yeah. And it's, and it's interesting because, you know, you see companies like still using older technologies. Like I was talking to one company that, um, that actually until just recently have been using, um, um, a fork of cloud stack that they had developed. Hmm. Um, and you know, and so it's still kind of that real mix of different things. I mean, for example, I you know I think also like if you look at the serverless ecosystem which we're following very closely, it has you know that's still so still so green right you know but again it's focusing it, it again it has a big focus on scale and how companies are scaling out their you know their application architectures. Yeah, yeah no I, I and I think I think we all have to be a little bit careful you know getting too enamored with um, you know the new technologies are fun it's I think there's times when people got to be a little bit um, 
you know, cautious when they make statements like, oh, everybody's doing this. Everybody's yeah. running nothing but 12-factor yeah. app. And you go, yeah, no. well, maybe you need to get out a little more and, and kind of get a sense <laughs> of, you know, get out, get outside the, uh, what is it, uh, like Rodrigo Flores always says, get outside the 280 bubble and, and see what else is, is uh, collecting dust in somebody's data center. Well, very, totally. Well, very cool. Totally. Listen, um, you guys are, are cranking out a whole bunch of different things. You're at a lot of different places. What are, what are some of the newest things that people should definitely go check out from the new stack here recently? Oh, thanks, Brian. I, we just published uh, the State of the Kubernetes Ecosystem ebook. It is the first book of a three-part series. In the second book, which will come out later this year, we'll look at uh, patterns and pipelines of uh, the Kubernetes ecosystem. And then in the final book, we'll look at how the Kubernetes ecosystem is intersecting with other communities, such as data streaming, for example, and the Docker community. Um, So that's a big project for us. Um, This is a conference season, so we're out on the road all the time. Um, And we're really doing a lot more uh, live streaming. So you should you know, for it, you know, if you see us at a conference, uh, please come over and say hello. We're uh, we we always love to meet new people. Yep, very cool. We will get uh, we will get all those things in the show notes. We'll have links to the eBooks and um, all the different podcasts that you guys run. Um, and folks, if you if you don't know Alex, he's very easy to find. He's always the guy. Uh, wearing the fedora, um, he's uh, usually in front of a microphone somewhere right in the middle of right in the middle of one of these events. So, Alex, listen, man, uh, we could talk about things for for a long time, but uh, thank you so much for the time today. And uh, you know, Aaron couldn't make it, but uh, he sends his best, and uh, we'll try and be on the next show. So, we need to get you back on uh, again soon. Um, hopefully, we can make this kind of a regular thing. Uh, get get your perspective on things. So, thanks for being on, um, folks. As always, thanks for listening. Tell a friend, uh, rate the show on iTunes, and uh, we will. Talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to the Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more podcasts, show notes, and everything social media. And visit acloud.guru for all your cloud training needs.